Welcome back, everybody. This is Josh with Passing the Power Podcast. I'm here with my really good friend, Natalie Hafer. She was originally my English teacher, right? In sixth grade. In sixth grade, she was my English teacher. <laughs> and she used to amuse us yes. by how she used to crack her back on the wall. Oh my gosh, still doing that. <laughs> Are you still doing that? Still doing that. Still got the problems. Do you remember what I told you? Probably not. <laughs> I said, because like how she would like hold on to the door hinges and you would like... Yeah. Lean back, I said, gosh, you kind of look like a cherry tomato trying to fall back into a salad bowl. <laughs> no, why would I say that? I have no idea. I, I blocked that grade. out. I had to. I was <laughs> Listen, if you can imagine what sixth grade with Natalie Haver was like, it was wild. It was wild. In a two-by-two two room. And it literally, it was a fire hazard. Can you imagine me trying to get through those little aisles now? From my desk to the front board, I had to walk outside of the room and go back yes, into the front. Yeah. This is back in the old impact center. Too. Yeah, we've moved up since then. <laughs> we, we've moved up now. We've got a whole family life center building. Exactly. Who knows? I might build a college. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt that. But uh, anyways, we're going to start off with prayer, open up in prayer, and then we'll get into the interview. But Lord, we thank you, God, for this podcast. Lord, we ask you, Father God, that you will break up any fallow ground of the listener, Lord Jesus, God, that Lord, we will receive God with open hands and open hearts, Father God, the word that you have for us tonight, God, through these questions. Lord, we ask you, God, that the seed would be planted in good ground, Lord, and it would grow, Father, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So first off, I'm just going to ask you um, just a little bit about yourself. What's your name? What <laughs> I've already said it 50 times. I am times. Natalie Hafer. <laughs> <laughs> With what ministry? <laughs> uh, Victorious Living. I have Victorious Living Ministries. Um I'm a chef connoisseur trying to be. <laughs> yes. I have a catering business. Multiple things going on. Notch yo mama. <laughs> because that ain't what I had from my mama. So <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's kind of like older recipes that you've kind of like vamped up. Yeah. Or like things that I would feed my kids that I never got. So that's actually yeah, because I had like four like repeat items that I can't eat anymore as a child. Yeah. So we ditched those and. We got new things on the horizon. <laughs> and luckily for uh, the viewers tonight, we're going to actually give away one of the cookbooks tonight. So right. it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> and at the end, we'll have time for Q&A. Okay. But uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your testimony, like where you grew up, kind okay. of how life went? Um, I was always in the home of a Pentecostal mother. Um, I was raised by my mother only till I was seven, till my stepfather came. Um, and so never really knowing who my father was or anything like that. So kind of growing up immediately, like all already confused, you know, by life, we were broke, we were poor, we had absolutely nothing. Um, but remembering constantly my mom always, when I would get off the bus, hearing her pray, hearing her in her prayer closet, asking God for, you know, a check to be in the mail or something provision to be made. And I always would hear in that back room, just praying and crying out to God and asking her. And that's like my first experience, you know, as a little girl, like hearing my mom pray. And then we always had monthly prayer meetings at someone's house during my, in my family. And I would, um, go to these prayer meetings, like kind of, you know, not involved, not really caring about, God really, because I was just young. But um, at the age of 13, I started staying in the prayer meetings and like kind of just listening to like my cousins and all those praying, my uh, mom. And uh, at 13 years old, I got saved at one of those prayer meetings. And then one month later, got the Holy Ghost at the next month's prayer meeting. So I got saved in these prayer meetings that my family had and the Holy Ghost there too. And so that's kind of like where I come from. I grew up in Newport at Sister Trent's little church in Newport. And um, I know that. Where, you know that. Uh, where my grandpa took me. And one time he took me, and I spent the night with him every Saturday night, and he took me to church. And um, one time he told me that if I did not get up and get ready, that um, he would be taking me in my pajamas. And lo and behold, one week I was sitting in the church on the front row in my pajamas. And he said, you're going to go regardless. And so that you go to church regardless was instilled in me very early. And so I, I know you bring your kids to church. You do what you do. You get them here no matter what. And so 
that taught me. I was in my pajamas and I never did that one again. So, um, but just, I've always, you know, witnessed and seen God move at an early age and hearing the stories when I was little that I don't remember of my mom praying, you know, I don't have bill money and God coming to her and saying, listen, haven't I always provided for you go to the mailbox and to the dollar going out to the mailbox as a single mom and pulling the check out of the mail or the money out of the mail. And God saying, here it is. I provided. And I just, I, I remember that just, you know, even when God, um, when, when my mom was pregnant with me, um, she was scared to death to give birth because it, it was painful for her to, you know, with my, with my brother. And so she, she didn't want to be pregnant. She was scared to be pregnant when God came to her and said, I want to be with you all the way to the end. And so she said that when they laid her on that gurney, that Jesus stood at the end of the bed. And when she was giving birth to me, that Jesus stood at the end of the bed. And um, she said, and as soon as I cried, he disappeared and he kept his promise. And these are the kind of stories that I grew up with that my my family had faith to believe and, and trust God. So that's kind of like my background of where I come from. So your background is just the cornerstone of faith and prayer. Your yeah. foundation is that. It is. From my cousins to my aunts, everybody. I mean, on my mom's side, that's where I come from. And so, um, you know, I grew up not, like I said, knowing who my dad was, going through like traumatic sickness, you know, yeah. Um, with severe uh, stage four endometriosis. I mean, since the time I was 10, from the time I was 10 to the time I was 40, I, I was chronically ill. Um, you know, fertility issues, couldn't have children, wound up adopting children. I mean, it just, I could go on for days about my own testimony, but that I've always seen God faithful, no matter which way it turned out. You know, no matter if I was sick, no matter if I didn't know who my father was, I found out who he was when I was 30 years old when I got married. So, I mean, I'm 30 years old finding out I got like three or four fathers, you know, like the one they said was my father, the one that is my father, the one that became my father as a stepfather. And I joke about it now, but you know, I mean, sometimes you just kind of, you know, got to roll, roll with right. it. You know what I'm saying? But I've always known God to be faithful in all that, you know, that I've walked through. So. Yeah. And out of, out of that experience of, um, your fathers and everything, you got emotionally delivered you from that. Yes. And you birthed the book through you. Yes. Didn't he? Yes. It was when I got married to my husband, now Paul, and um, I was treating him like garbage <laughs> because I was emotionally just in bondage. And so to have somebody like actually care and show you from, you know, like I was in a previous divorce that ended in like my marriage ended in six months. It was like traumatic. And so, you know, going to someone that actually cared, like I was petrified of that. So like I was treating him like garbage and I'd like go look at myself in the mirror and I'd say, what in the world are you doing? Like, you're a horrible person. Like, why are you treating this nice guy like this? Everybody loves Paul Hafer. I mean, you're, you're, you're garbage. Like I would like look at myself and be like, you're garbage, you know? And that's not the word of God over my life, you know, but I would be like, so messed up in my mind that I would be like, why are you treating someone this nice? And God would show me like what I was doing. And he was like the nicest person ever. And I'm just like, what is this? And God said, you go on a fast. I went on a fast. Um, unfortunately the fast lasted a little bit longer than I thought that I was originally going to fast. Um, and, uh, I fasted on and off for two years and God delivered me from all that. I birthed a book out of that about how God can break you free from emotional trauma in your life. And it is, it's definitely possible because you know me, you know, I don't talk to people. I, I would not talk to a single soul. God said, you know what? Your, your, your fear of man will be broke off through this fast and through this time. I thought I was going to fast for like a month. God's going to deliver me, but it took like an entire two years. Cause it's like an onion. You got to peel it, peel it. You know, you get through the first layer and you got to go through the next. So um, as I was going through that process, God showed me how I was. And then through that, I was delivered. Okay, so then you're going to be a school teacher and you're going to talk in front of people every day. And then I'm going to call you to preach. Then you're going to preach in front of people all day. And then Josh Hyden's going to call you to this small group. And then you're going to talk on this mic. You know, it's just, you know, all the time God's always like, listen, I'm going to show you what you could do through me. 
you know, like I'm going to teach you how to trust me and walk these things out because all these things are uncomfortable. I preached and spoke on it constantly that I'd rather just be the person in the corner serving you the coffee. I'll pray for you at the altar, but don't put me up in front. And God's like, psych. <laughs> he said psych. <laughs> he said psych. Like, you're like that's not going to work for me. And that's not going to work for you because he knew the potential when I couldn't see it. And so I had to just dig deep and I've had to dig deep the majority of my life in order to get to this. It just wasn't overnight. Right. And that is the literally definition of having a relationship and a walk with God is trusting him enough to say, you know what, I know that there, these are the areas in my life that I need worked on. I mean, at one, I remember you testifying and you had, you preached about it. You said that you could not order your own pizza over the phone mm-hmm. because you were crippled by the fear of man, the opinion, the opinion of man. Of man. And it was so crippling, but God brought you through that two-year process. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it takes time to let God fully, like Shrek said, (laughs) Shrek said it the best, (laughs) like onions that got layers 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 and layers. And And when you think it's peeled all the way, he's going to start over. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's going to be more and more because there's many facets to us, you know. We're both, we both like to cook so we can go on about food analogies all the time. But then you peel back all the way and you get to the heart of it. Yep. You get to absolutely. the heart of the root of it. And then that's when that's the thing mm-hmm. that's like, boom. Yeah. And then the root is, hey, there was all the rejection. There was all the pain. There was all the hurt. And then you're able to deal with it. And then, you know, and now I think Paul kind of likes me now, you know, because I don't treat him <laughs> horrible, you know. So now I think uh, I think he kind of likes me. So after I think he does after too. 12 years, I think we've made amends. <laughs> I, think, I think he does too. <laughs> I mean, if I had someone cooking like that all the time. That's really what does it. <laughs> that's, his, that's his love language. Yeah. Food is his love language. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, that kind of ties into, you know, you talked about your family being, like, the really influential people in your life. Can you pinpoint someone who would be your spiritual role model, your hero? Pam Wreckers, you know her. Pam Wreckers. Spiritual guru. <laughs> she has been, um, that's my cousin um, on my mom's side, and that's one of the people that were at the prayer meetings, one of the people that has pushed me to where I am today, the person that literally I, I crack up because she like called one day and she's like, I asked God if what color I should paint this wall. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Just paint it whatever color you want. She's like, no, God knows if three years from now, if I'm going to be pleased with that color or not. And I'm just like, no, that's ridiculous. And it's like little by little, it's like, no, he, no, he really does know. And he cares. Like if she was going to sell her house, if that would sell, right. you know, that color or whatever. And she's like, always, always ask God every single thing. And so now it's like, I don't even move without asking like, okay, God, do I do this? Do should I, what should I do here? What should I do here? And she's taught me to basically just ask God everything, like every move that you make, ask him because that's, that's what he wants from you. He wants you to ask. He wants you to come to him. And so, I mean, I just remember through like all of my sickness and everything, she would be on the phone. She'd be prophesying to me. I'd be laying up in a fetal position, just screaming in pain. And she would pray with me to that pain left my body. And so I, she would be the woman that if there was someone, I don't idolize anybody, <laughs> there was someone to obtain how she prays. Cause I think, Lord, if you're not going to answer her, then what do we got? You know, what are we going to get? Because I know how much prayer she, in time she puts into, you know, her family being saved and the things that she wants to see from God and the deliverances take place. So she's definitely what That's I would do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, I know my, my story with her. I mean, I grew up with um, sister Trent too. I mean, if you don't know who sister Trent is, um, her church is over in Florence. It's Shield of Faith Pentecostal Church, I think. And it is, I mean, I just remember being in my grandfather's church when I was young and she would come minister and she would come, you know, and people would come up for prayer because they knew the power that, you know, Sister Trent had. And um, she had a ladies meeting and uh, <clears throat> my mom was in there. They were all having a prayer, you know, it was a ladies service, I'm sorry. And I just sat in the back Nobody was there to babysit me, so I just was watching Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> on my little Blu-ray player. Man, that was old. Wow. You're dating yourself now. That's weird to say I'm dating myself because <laughs> I'm only 20. <laughs> but anyways, 
I just remember I was like, man, I'm tired of this. And like, there was a drawing to go into the sanctuary because I'm like out in the foyer. So I go in and um, I'm looking for my mom and I find her. I just stand by her. And then Pam goes, hey, come here. Let me pray for you. And she prays for me and she gives me this prophetic word that I held on to for the longest time, for the longest time. And she said, I'll tell you what, whenever you get the Holy Ghost, if I was the devil, I'd run. She mm. said, because there is gifts in you. Yeah. There's callings in you. She said, you've got the heart of David. Yeah. And there's anointing on you. And I'd be scared if I was a devil when you get the Holy Ghost. That's what she does. Just pull it out. Pulls it and out. And push you to what God has. Yes. So now when I came to the community and I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the lady that, I didn't know who she was. <laughs> uh, that's the lady that prophesied over me. And I went over and I was like, thank you so much. And, you know, God has definitely kept his word. And, you know, yes. we were just as humble servants doing his will. But is there a specific pivotal moment in your life that was like a breakthrough that elevated your walk with the Lord? Um, I would say when I was in this terrible, it was a verbally abusive relationship in my 20s, earlier 20s, um, it actually caused me to backslide. And I remember this person telling me that I wasn't allowed to go see my nephew at Christmas and I wasn't allowed to talk to my mom and all these things. And I was like, F this is just the shortcut version of this story. Um, I knew that like I was in total bondage and I just remember going up out of his condo after I said enough is enough. And I went up out of the condo. I sat in my car and it was facing a tree and I just remember saying, God, if you will deliver me from this person and you will bring me out of this situation, I will serve you till the day that I die. And when I rededicated my life at that moment, nothing has ever been the same. I know what it's like to be completely strayed from God. And it wasn't something that was just one day. It was little by little by little. We still attended church. We sat in this church and I still little by little by little his control. And then my choice of following that I was in a backslidden condition. It wasn't for very long, but it was there. And I just remember that that day, like it was yesterday. And that's the day when I rededicated my life that I can actually say that that's the pivot. That's the place that God said, okay, you've made a covenant with me. Now you've made an agreement with me. And now here we go. And from that day forward, it was like, no matter what came, I was committed and there was nothing ever going to stop me from doing what God called me to do from that point forward. Yeah. That's, that's such a, that is a pivotal moment in your life where you have this great foundation of prayer, this great mm -hmm. foundation of faith. And then that song says it's a slow fade. Yeah. It's so true because you just go little by little by little and you lose those convictions. You know, the Bible says um, a conscience that's seared like yeah. iron by iron. Yeah. And then, you know, you cry out to the Lord and he renews that, you know, yeah. and Ezekiel says, I'll take the heart of stone out and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So that's definitely in God's hands, not too short that he can't reach you Absolutely. in whatever state that you're in. Yeah. And the big things are kind of like obvious. Yeah. Like they're in your face and they're obvious. See, I'm not going to go do that. But when he knows that you're not going to do those obvious things, then he knows how to sneak in when you want to be, you know, treated. I always joke because I mean, it was true. Like, I mean, you got me with Jeff Ruby's with uh, some filet, you know, with some brown butter on top. It's a, I said, see there, it's a food problem. It's a back to a food problem. <laughs> okay. And so literally because he would, he would take me to all these fancy restaurants, yeah, money, money, money. And so he had all these fancy restaurants, Tropicana, Jeff Ruby's, all this stuff. And I was just like, Hey, I never had this before. And so I, you know, I, I, uh, preached at the girls retreat at this school a few years ago. And, um, literally I told him, I said, the devil, if he, if he wants to just get you with a Jeff Ruby steak and that'll work on you, that's what it will. It'll work. So you find out what's, what's going to work and, and you be aware of that because I was not aware that I was that wounded and that, um, that scarred that I would fall for something that was so silly, but I did. Well, yeah. And that kind of stems back to like what you said. When you were younger, though, you didn't have those luxurious things when you were right. growing up. 
So this is a whole new world. He said, well, I, I served God all these years. And what have I got? I've got my mom praying, Lord, give me money in the mail. Give me checks right. in the mail. But here I've got this and it's, I've got steaks and Jeff Ruby yeah. and all this stuff. But it kind of goes to that almost if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Lord to guard you and guard your heart, everyone will have a price. Right. Judas had a price for 30 pieces of silver for the, uh, the capturing of Jesus at, what was it, like midnight? Mm -hmm. I don't know a specific time. But everybody will have a price if you don't have a relationship with the right. Holy Spirit. Absolutely. To guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Yes. So kind of, did you say like when you were in that time that you kind of felt burnout in your walk with the Lord? Or was it just like the slow fade of the enemy? No, I think <clears throat> it was just like a slow thing because I still came to church. I was still like... I mean, I wasn't like trying to pretend, but I mean, I was still here. Yeah. I was still coming, uh, but that that just shows you that everyone sitting here is it where there's where they need to be, you know? Because I sat here and I definitely was not where I needed to be, but I always thought I'm still gonna come. Yeah. Maybe next I'm gonna get this situated. I'm gonna get this figured out, and then I just never did until that breaking point. Okay. Well, one of our our viewers did ask, um, "What do you do to prevent burnout?" <clears throat> Burnout, like spiritually, as in, you know, you're just kind of going. You got trial thing. after trial after trial, and then yes. you're worn out from it. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to have a Pam in your life. To I, I am a talker, uh, which is so contrary, but to what I spoke before. Um, but one, like to her or to someone that I would need guidance from. Like, I mean. I have to have an answer for everything. Like I need to know why I need to know why it does this. I need to know what time it does this. I need, to, I'm an analyzer. And so I feel like when I have her on speed dollar, you know, I am able to sound that off of her and then her feedback. And usually I know the answer already, you know, I know what I have to do, but I think burnout comes when sometimes you're not bearing one another's burdens and you're not helping each other out and you're not reaching out. So like a lot of times, yeah, I want to run and isolate myself and then I'll get a text from Pam and go, well, I prayed and you're not okay. And I'm like, well, I tried to hide from you, but I'm not going to get out of it. You know? So then there I am talking about, it. I think, no, you're going to just do this alone. But I, that's not what God calls us to do. You know? I mean, yes, I'm not supposed to pick up your cross and carry it, but you know, for you, but I am supposed to help you. And I think that that's what's helped me the most. I mean, obviously staying in the worm and, you know, praying and fasting and stuff like that. But, you know, that that's that's work. That's laborious, you know. Yeah. So to to fight that off, I'm always making sure that I am talking to someone before I go falling off the cliff in the deep end, you know, alone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my personal way of doing it. Yeah, always having that connection with somebody to, you know, make sure that you're doing okay. Because mm -hmm. if anybody ever said that being a Christian is easy, no. you know, isolate yourself from that person. Because <laughs> it is Sometimes not Sometimes you're, you're really asking for more. It is. It's more. And, you know, saying that to somebody who isn't saved is like, well, then why would I want to do that? Mm -hmm. But it's honestly, it's just what comes with it. And it's, you know, it is more, but you get the Lord to help you to go through it. Right. It makes life easier to go through it that way. You're going to go through something. Yeah. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So yeah. you're going to get it regardless. Yeah. And mm -hmm. just because Satan is afraid of God's people when they're walking in the calling and the path that he calls them to, then yeah, you're just, you're like a poster child. You're just, here he is, here she is, you know, but through all of those things is what, helps us to have stamina, what helps us to know, hey, today I'm gonna have to dig a little deeper in the word. You know, um, right now I'm studying in Deuteronomy and I and I can't hardly put it down. I just want to keep reading and reading and reading it, you know, about what kept these people here all this time, you know, but I, you got to dig, you know, a little deeper. And so that's what God, he allows these things to come or, or we would get stagnant. You know, we would. And and one of the revelations that God gave me just last week about in Deuteronomy is it's like Moses is like telling them, like, listen, he's giving you this food. He's giving you this manna. And they're just like, 
but that's not what I want. I want the meat. I want the meat. I want the meat. And God spoke to me and said, well, they wanted the meat because it sustained them longer. So they didn't have to keep coming back to me as often. Wow. And that was like, to me, that was revelation yes. to me. Like, cause I never, I'm just like, well, quit complaining. Just eat what you got and go on. But he wanted to give them enough that they were sustained for just that day. Yes. And then they had to come back and be sustained for that day. Cause every day you can't live on the same thing that you got yesterday. You got to have a new word, a new something to stand on every day. That's why you got to go to him every day, not just once a week and say, well, I'm living off of Friday's word, you know, here yeah. on, you know, Tuesday, I can't do that. And so that's what God was trying to teach them. Like, I want you to rely on me every day, not just when I drop the meat from heaven. Cause then if you're satisfied, then guess what? You're not coming to me because right. then you're like, oh, I'm happy and I can rely on this, you know, but that's what God wanted them to do was to rely on him. And I have no idea if this even applies to what question we were just talking about. But that's rabbit trails. <laughs> but that was good though, because honestly, if you don't form a dependency on God and to depend on him for everything, then like, what are you just going to do in life? Right. Because if you don't have the Lord to take you through and carry you through everything, I mean, honestly, in this season of my life, I can say that it's been real. It's been one of the most like the most difficult seasons that I've been through. But I can say that going to the Lord has made it so much easier, right? Because I can go and I say, Lord, I need strength for this, Lord, because I, I'm just I'm feeling so tired. You know, to be honest, I am not. So it's not easy for me just to pick up the word and say, Oh yeah, like <laughs> say, come on now, you know. Because sometimes it's like, I got to say, Lord, open up my eyes that I can understand it. Because sometimes I'm like, why is he hitting a rock? Yeah. <laughs> why is he hitting a rock? <laughs> but then like, you know what I mean? The Lord gives understanding and provides right. it. But we need to form to form that dependency on the Lord so that we can go through life yes. with ease. Um, but I wanted to ask you, when did it feel like that God was closest to you so far in your life? always in the valley, always when I was at my worst point. So like all those years when I was like curled up in a fetal position, just screaming for God to deliver me from this. Mm -hmm. Did he not in the way that I thought he was going to deliver me from it, you know? And so I walked through this to, you know, just, you know, a few years before, um, you know, I did get delivered from it via surgery, thank the Lord. But I remember having Jeremiah at home and he was just a, a little, I mean, I, I remember he was just little. I mean, Paul was at work. It's when he had to go into the office. And I just, I remember like, just telling the Lord, like, I don't even care if I live, like, just, if this is all there is to life, you can just take it. Like, I don't even care. And I'm like expected just to like drop dead right then. Like, cause that like, and just leave this kid standing here. Like, I know that sounds dramatic, but I was like, well, and if you're not going to do that, then I'm just going to run against this wall. And it was so dramatic. I mean, when I look back on it, it was dramatic, but I was in such pain that like, I could not take it anymore. And I literally just remember just, he was just walking around and I just remember just taking one side of the room and just running in hopes that I would just pass out just for like five minutes, just of like not feeling that pain in my body. And so here I am in this pain, like trying to knock myself out with a little boy in the house. You know, I'm not thinking clearly. And I just remember I didn't pass out. Nothing really happened, you know, but I hit the wall and I fell down and I was just sobbing before the Lord. And I was like, there's just no way that how can a person, I mean, God, I'm like, you know, in my late thirties, I've been going through this since I was 10. Like I can't deal with this much longer. And, you know, I just remember God just coming just right behind me. And I knew that he was there. And it was like, in that moment, it was like, it doesn't matter if you're feeling pain because I'm here. I understand your pain. I've walked not specifically this road, but I know what pain is. Yeah. And I felt the pain that you were in when I went to the cross and when I carried this cross and I walked this so that I could bear this with you. And it was like, in that moment, it was like, I was in the deep valley right there, yes. you know? And I just remember God just coming and just in a peace, just hovered over me or when Pam would call and that peace would just fill the room. And I would know like, yeah, in the moment it's hard, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You are going to overcome this. And so that's 
when I'm up on the mountain, I'm happy, but that's not when I'm feeling that comfort to come in. And that's when I could say that I've actually felt him come in and be the closest is when I'm actually in the hard time. The valley. The valley. The shadow the valley. of death. There's a re yeah, there's a reason why it's called the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. <clears throat> and you were talking about with the endometriosis, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that was, I mean, I remember being in school and we always just prayed, Lord, mm -hmm. heal and take away this endometriosis. Because it was, mm -hmm. I remember some days it was just like, oh God. I was going, I never go through the story box and I pulled it open because I was looking for something to wear to church um, Sunday morning and I couldn't find it. And I opened the bottom drawer and there was your little prayer cloth that you had put, you had got it prayed over at your church. And you said, Josh Hyden is standing in agreement with Miss Hafer. And you wrote on the back of a, um, like a tithing thing from your grandpa's yeah. church. Yeah. And I you think. gave it to me it's at like school. It's like that little yellow thing. It's yellow, yeah. And I, and I just found it the other day and it was in the drawer. Oh my gosh. I don't even remember that. You did. You did. It's there. I don't even remember that. It's there. That's, I, this is totally off topic kind of, but. Um, kind of staying in topic, but when you were talking about how Pam calls you and prays with you, yeah, it reminded me because of uh, when was it like September, the week of September 12th? I know it was that week because that was the um, September 12th, was I believe the day Amanda passed away, and that week was horrible. Um, so Wednesday, that was when it was like early Wednesday morning, I think. Um, my mom actually was like freaking out. My dad's like, You got to come pray, something's wrong. <laughs> Natalie knows what I'm going to say. So at that point, my go, I would normally call Amanda and I would say, well, I need, well, I don't know who to call. And then I say, God, give me somebody. And then I was like, Natalie, why didn't I think about Natalie? So I called and I said, Natalie needs your bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> she said, hello. She's just woke up out of a sleep. And I said, Natalie, you should pray something's going on with mom. We don't know what's going on. And then all she goes, dear Lord, we're coming for you right now. Before she can even say all the words, she just goes into tongues. And she's seven minutes later, I look on the phone. And she's done praying over all this alignment in Jesus' name. She said, what am I doing? I said, who am I praying for? Who and what am I for? praying over? I did. I, I was just out of it. No. I didn't even know. I went from straight sleep. Yeah. to tongues because i didn't even i didn't even hear what you said i just knew there was a need and i went yeah and i had to say well i asked you to pray for mom and you hit all of it because <laughs> i guess i knew the holy ghost knew <laughs> it's great oh my god but i had to say that because i just it kind of still cracks me up to this day it's just the best it cracks me i up. know i felt stupid asking you what <laughs> i was praying about after i'd already prayed about it <laughs> said, all right let me know and just hung up and i, I knew you just went right back to sleep <laughs> Oh man. Oh my gosh. That still, that just cracks me up. Um, do you have any advice for newly saved Christians? Um, come to church, get in your word, um, get your basics down, get a schedule. Like, don't just think I am not a morning person. Like it's just, it doesn't work out for me. I know Crystal Kamala, she doesn't have time. So she starts her prayer time at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. But she has a schedule, and I think it's so important that, like, you need to figure out what's going to work for you, you know, because, like, he's waiting for us to, to come to him. And I think mm -hmm. that as a new Christian, it, it needs to be more about um, setting up your disciplines with God. What am I going to do? When am I going to do it? Okay. Um, you know, in the mornings, not, that, that's not ever going to work. So unless God really does a different work in me, that's just not going to work out. Okay. As I've tried it a couple of times and it's not very effective. So like, you know, my time is, it's, you know, like when I could put Hudson to sleep or something like that, you know, his nap time or at nighttime, but just making sure that you are establishing your routines in the Lord and making sure that, that that's not stolen from you. Cause that's what life does. Yes. Life says, oh, you'll get to that later. And then you never get to it. Then there you are days and days and days and you haven't prayed and you haven't read. You haven't sought God's face. And I think just getting in that routine and making sure that you are committed to showing up when you say, God, I'm coming. And because he's waiting for you to yeah. come. So he knows that you're, that he wants you to. And so I think 
every new Christian needs to establish their routines in the Lord, what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think what's great about um, CFC, that's our church, um, is that we actually have a discipleship program. Is that that's what it's called? Yeah. The discipleship program where you can go, it's like three classes, and it kind of takes you through the foundations, and it kind of takes you just through where you can be like put on your feet, you know, what you can do. And I would, if you go anywhere near, you know, the tri-state area, you know, church alive is worth the drive is what Josh Bates always <laughs> says. Um, get us, get rooted in the church yes. and find your group of people that's going to hold yes. you up in prayer. Everyone needs, was it Aaron and Moses? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, Aaron held up his hands, right? Yeah. Everyone needs an Aaron in their life that'll hold up their hands. You know, that was the story in the Bible where if Moses' hands were lifted up, yep. the war was being won. But whenever his hands went down, that's when the war was being lost. Got to have your people. Got to have your people to hold your hands. I mean, it may battle. be two people. But that's for one arm. Because I'm down to real few here. But, you know, <laughs> keep them tight. Like, know who you're trusting in and know who who is in your circle, too. Mm -hmm. That's important. Like, not just everyone can can be in that. You oh, don't, yeah. don't want everybody holding up your hands. And you don't want to hold up. I mean, it's just you don't. Okay. So who is really for you? Who's going to stand by you? Who's going to have your back? Who are you going to call in the middle of the night? Who's going to be there for you? You know, exactly. like find those people and God will lead you to them. Because I remember, you know, obviously I wasn't very social with my, you know, problems as a, as a young person. So I would just be like, I came to this church and I was like, God, can you just send me one friend? Just one person. So God sent me uh, Kelly Boss Miller now. And then when she moved, then God gave me Kelly Bowles. And then when she moved on with her life, then God gave me another person. And it's like literally been like one or two people like that. I can say that like yeah. I was super, super close to that. I felt like I call in the middle of the night. They would be there no matter what, because there was nothing there that like between us, you know what I'm saying? They weren't trying yeah. to like out one me or, you know, yeah. so I knew that I could trust them. So that's important. And also having the discernment and to be like, Lord, you know, I know that these people are in my life, but. Is there somebody in my group, in my circle, yeah. that's really against me? That's really not in my corner. Yeah. Because Jesus had 12 disciples, but one betrayed him. Yeah. So always having that discernment in the Lord to say, okay, God, because it might not even seem like it's that person. Yeah. But it, but sometimes it is. Um, but we're going to get into a nitty gritty, my favorite <clears throat> part of oh, the no. questions. Okay. We're going to get into, this is kind of for... Um, this is not for the newer Christians, which you will get into it when you're later on your walk with the Lord. But this is um, kind of about the spiritual warfare aspect of it. Because honestly, I think that in these last days, I don't even say days, I say the last minutes of time. Because we, yeah. we it are. feels like it's wrapping up. As my mom always said, his hands on the door handle. Yeah. <laughs> He's twisting the knob. <laughs> oh, Lord, come on. <laughs> twisting the knob. Um, we need to know how to fight in the spirit and how yes. to be victorious and not be like the sons of Sceva and, you know, yeah. get whooped. So how, well, I'll ask this first. What is the greatest weapon that we possess as Christians in the spirit? Knowing your word and using that word. Yes. The Bible says to, to know and not to know and not do. So when I know the word, I got to know what the word says first, what I have access to. And then life and death are in the power of the tongue and either I'm going to speak it or I'm not going to speak it right. so that my mouth aligns with that word. So really it's twofold. It's, it's the word mm -hmm. and, and it's what I speak. Right. So I can know that and speak completely contrary to that. Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of people who know that and then they completely speak the opposite right. and it's almost like canceling out. It don't work. You got to be in alignment with what he's saying. Right. And so the greatest weapon is your word and your tongue. That's the truth because you're saying, God, I'm believing for my lost ones, my lost loved ones to be saved. And then you're out over here saying, oh, well, they're out here doing this and doing this. But, you know, you've got to pray them in. Mm -hmm. you got to pray. You know, Darling Bishop, she preached a sermon one time and she said that um, she birthed her brother into the kingdom. She yeah. said, I know I travailed in prayer. She said, I'm praying for this, mm -hmm. for him to come in. And what was it like a couple weeks later? He was in jail. He went in jail mm -hmm. and then he got saved. So, you know, it's, we have not because we ask him this. Right. So we have to align our words with the word of God. 
and you know what is a good resource you know it's like google you can just google like scriptures about whatever you're needing victory in your life mm-hmm. just google it's so accessible it's it's yeah. if we're not doing it then it's our doing because yeah. i mean we can find anything we need so how did you used to do it though like without google oh you mean dial up what's dial up <laughs> dial up network you know when you had to dial up with the big monitor set really that was 2002 yeah i don't know you know you just got the big computers you know and they had to dial into a network to call and sometimes it was busy and you had a paper due in college and you oh waited to the last minute and you couldn't even get it done because it wouldn't connect and it literally dialed the network yeah that's stressful yeah <laughs> that eleven fifty nine deadline <laughs> be like oh god so i had that but i made before all these things came out was the word yeah so if you have the word and you have um you'll ask god to reveal it to you you know you don't need all this other stuff because the word is the word and he can reveal it you know but if you're struggling with that you know like back in the day i just i just read the word i mean i really didn't get on the dial-up network but I mean, there wasn't much back then to look up. Okay. Yeah. You so, concordance at the back. Of the yeah. Life. You're just looking up like fear. And then I go to yeah. the scripture. <laughs> yeah. You're like, release, relent, relent. Yeah. I just had to go to the back. I didn't have much to work with. Because <laughs> yeah. I said, Lord, I don't know how. You know, <laughs> I'd be looking up scriptures and all mm-hmm. this. And, um, you know, I didn't, I knew, I use Google, very Google dependent. Well, I do now. Uh, yeah. But that kind of ties in with how would you engage? in spiritual warfare and become victorious using those weapons. Because I know sometimes, you know, in Ephesians 6, it talks about we wrestle not against, let me find it real quick. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's the King James coming out in me. <laughs> I was raised the up principalities, in the principalities, rulers of darkness. I'm about there. Well, good Lord. I don't flip to Philippians. Ephesians 6, it says, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities and blood. Wait, hold on. I messed that up. Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God. And it goes on that you may resist the, the devil in the evil day. So what can we do to engage in spiritual warfare? So... I don't think there's really a choice in this day if you're going to engage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, either you're going to completely ignore it, you know, or you're or you're going to get in the battle. Right. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a choice that you're going to have to make. I know that some people are fearful to get in the battle because they're fearful that they're going to be attacked. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to do what you do because I know I'll be attacked. And I'm just like, but like, he can't really do anything to you. Like he can try, but he has no power. And I think it goes back to knowing that word, like what power and authority do you have over the enemy? Like he says that, like I can take a bow in my hands and bend it and go to war. You know what I'm saying? Like he says that I have all power and authority over serpents and manner of all evil and principalities and rulers of darkness. Like, like I think not knowing what you really are, what you have, access to i think is when people don't engage in that because it's like i can't even go to the store anymore without filling it you know yeah like i i can't even i can't go anywhere and you feel it i feel it sitting in my home i feel the warfare in the atmosphere and i think you know the the more connected you are to god and to your prayer time the more you're going to feel all of that so and to engage it is to call it out and to recognize what it is and so what is it? Is it warfare? Is it a demon spirit? Is it a witch? What is it? You know, what, what am I dealing with here? Right. You know? And so I think it's recognizing what is it, knowing your word, finding what you're going to use to combat it. Right. Okay. Like, I mean, I have some pretty dramatic warfare stories. I mean, like dramatic. Okay. So I won't go into all of this, you know, um, about, a couple weeks ago yeah. okay but it was because i was calling um some demons out and i and i was it was well known that i was 
and um, it was no secret. And so the enemy thought that he was going to try to come. He couldn't get in my house, but he stood on the line of the fence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I knew he was there when I opened the blind, he was there. I, I mean, sometimes you can see spirits, sometimes you can't. All right. So, I mean, spiritual warfare is serious. Like yes. it's not for the faint of heart, you right. know? And so I literally went downstairs and I, uh, Paul had fell asleep on the couch because he worked overtime and he just laid down on the couch and fell asleep. And I'm sitting there and I just said, I'm just going to read Psalms. I'm just going to read Psalms. I read Psalms. I mean, I'm talking probably for an hour. Okay. And so when I get to this particular scripture um, that I have never even seen, and I've probably asked about six or seven people if they knew it was even in there before. And they never even knew like seasoned Christians. I call them. Did you know that there's a spirit of a dog in here and I've got a dog on my back, you know, like a spiritual, uh, like yes. it's there. Yes. And I never knew it was there. And so um, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, Paul woke up out of a dead sleep. I never stopped reading the Psalms. I kept reading and reading and reading and reading the word. I never would stop. I just felt to keep reading the word. And I'm, this is no joke. And this might scare some of your, your viewers, <laughs> your listeners today. Okay. But I mean, my cat, was flying in the air. All the furniture was slamming up against my porch. And Paul sits up in a dead sleep and says, what's all this commotion going on here? And I'm just like, and God said, da, da, da. and I never even responded. I said, I can't even take a break. For a straight hour, I read Psalms out loud at, that, at my home until it got to the spirit of a dog. And when I saw that and knew what God was trying to reveal to me, I know it sounds funny, but that's in there. It is. It is. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm it sorry. sounds crazy, it's just, but I know. it's yes. there, you know, it is there. And when I realized what I was dealing with, then I was like, okay, well, we're on. Yeah. Okay. And I won't get into all what that all means, the spirit of a dog and all this, because I won't get into all that. But I mean, if you're doing a work for God, you might, you might see some things. Oh, yeah. And if you're openly calling out things mm -hmm. and saying, I recognize that. And that is what that is. That's where uh, the division, you know, I mean, my, my child is very rebellious. No lie. You know, you know, <laughs> I have an 11 year old who has since six thought he was a teenager. So I've been dealing with rebellion for a really long time. Right. And so, you know, I just tell my son rebellion is unto witchcraft. And I just tell him he's 11. I've been telling him for years. It's unto witchcraft and you're bringing these things into my home. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And so I have to uh, teach him what he's inviting because sometimes you're inviting things that you don't even realize that you're inviting you know mm -hmm. if you're not on top of it you know right. and so i'm like no 11 year olds bringing none of this stuff into my house so i have to teach him because if he's that bold to be that rebellious then i'm gonna be that bold to say what he's doing like you're bringing spirits in our home and you're not doing that right. and so that's where i'm at in my own personal life yes. with with warfare because i'm warring against rebellion it right. says um, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Mm -hmm. It's it's bound up in there, all right. <laughs> it is, and we're we're gonna take care of it. One day we're gonna have a little victorious man on our hands, you know, who is who was doing whatever God told him to do, and said, you know, one day I was a little stinker. Now look at me now, praise God, and we'll have it by the power of Jesus and uh -huh. by my iron fist <laughs> that bends bows. <laughs> that bends bows. I said you don't come to the wrong family. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, yeah, and you. I remember you preached one time over in Terry Taylor's class, Kingdom Builders now, about how you had just cried and prayed out to the Lord, and God said to you that nobody else would take Jeremiah, so he entrusted him with you. Absolutely. And I just asked that two days ago. I keep getting the same answer. Like, are you sure I'm qualified for this? And he was like, no one would answer. You are qualified. And then Erica just gave me a word about the same thing. Wow. Like, you see your inadequacies. I don't see that. I see someone that I sent these two children to you and you are going to be able to raise them the way that, you know, that they need to be. Right. Because there's the anointing is on mm -hmm. his life and you've got these spirited dogs coming up. The, the family that up. gave him to us, literally, she calls all the time. She said, well, one of us would have just been dead because we, we both wouldn't have made it through this. Like God knew that I had to give you Jeremiah yeah. and this was ordained by God because he needed someone that was going to be strong in the spirit that was going to be able to fight for him right. because he would, he would be utterly destroyed. He mm -hmm. really would because that's just his personality, but it won't be. So 
Right. And just take it. <laughs> and when you were talking about how he was at the fence line, you know, uh, the dog. It's weird. Sorry, I don't know. It what, didn't like look like. Me. Well, <laughs> it looked like a dog. It's a long story. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's kind of, well, because I wanted to say it because I kind of think of, you know, spiritual warfare in a legality sense. And the fact that we are God's representatives down here on the earth. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, if you have allowed, you know, a spirit into your house, then yeah, you're going to have to have God to come into force mm -hmm. and take it out. But if it is encroaching on your territory spiritually against, you know, I say the law against, you know, he can't cross the bloodline. But if it is coming and trying to come into your house, you have the authority, you know, mm -hmm. to dispatch the angels and for them to arrest that spirit and take it to the pit. You know, like mom did, she got the oil and I put it all over the door. I yeah. remember that. And I said, I got to go get the oil because yeah. you may stand out there, but you're not coming in here. I do that, yeah. I take oil. I owe every entryway. I even mm -hmm. do the TV. I say, God, not on this TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but at this section, I think that we're going to try and bring it to a close. We're going to end with the audience. Uh, if you guys have any questions at all, do you have anything? No? You good? All right, then I think that we will just close out in prayer. You want to close us out in prayer? Sure. Close us out. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we just ask that something that was said tonight, God, would bring encouragement or strength, God, to some listener, God, tonight, Lord. God, we're just asking you, God, for strength, God, for the days ahead, Lord. God, that you have fully equipped us, God, for the day that we are living in, Lord. And we're asking you, God, to continue to equip us, God, for what lies ahead. And Lord Jesus, God, we're just asking you, God, to bless Josh tonight, Father, as he steps out, God, into these new avenues, Father, Lord, and, and the remainder of the small group, and God, in his preaching and teaching, Father, God, that every door, God, that you have for him, God, that it would be opened, God, and every door that should be shut, God, would be shut, Lord. And God, we're asking you for opportunities for him, God, as, Lord, we know, God, that your hand is upon him, Father, and we just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this time together, in Jesus' name, amen.